We're, we're getting close to the end of this particular series called Together. Next week we'll wrap it up and then the following week is Easter and we'll start a, a new series on Easter. And so the, the last couple of weeks here in this series, today we're going to talk about a verse that that really, when I read it and began to, to think through the implications of it, it really sort of arrested me, if you will. It stopped me in my tracks. And I thought, well, there's something here that's, that's powerful, and I think that's rare when we apply it. Next week, we'll, we'll look at, at really, I, I guess if you wanted to boil it down to it, we'll look at why should you be involved in the church? That's, that's the idea. Maybe some of you are coming each week and you have no idea why you, you attend each week. Well, what's the purpose? What's the value in all of that, the relationships that we can have there? But, but today, I, I, I think if you'll, if you'll track along, if you'll, if you'll give yourself and your mind to what God is saying, that I really believe this can be a very powerful verse when it comes to how you live in relationship. There's a great principle, uh, not just a, a good go be a better person principle, but really one that reflects who Jesus Christ is and the life that he wants to live through us. And, and this, this verse today is, for me, it's, it's one that helps to reveal who your friends really are and who you're really being a friend to. To me, there are two main ways that you can find out who your friends are. The two main ways, the same two main ways that you can determine who am I really a friend toward. The first is to move, literally to move homes. That's the first one when you find out who your friends are. Think about it. When we moved from Louisville several years ago, we were moving to Atlanta. I asked around all kinds of people. I said, hey, we're going to be moving. We're going to feed you lunch. Why don't you come and help us? And one guy said, man, I've got a four-day root canal. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, I can't make it. I've got to go do that. Uh, you know, I mean, it, nobody wants to help you move. You know, you find out who your friends are because offering them pizza for lunch isn't exactly a great repayment. We had one guy, though. His name was Tim. Tim was one of the interns that worked under me in my, in my youth ministry there at our, at our home church. And, and Tim came, I think, more out of obligation, but then he really got into it. Tim, we called him Spider-Man the whole day because we had a 26-foot moving truck. And Tim literally, I think, spent 14 hours inside the truck. We would hand him something. He would disappear somewhere, climbing along the walls and so on, put it somewhere, and then reappear waiting for something else. Tim was incredible. You found out who your friends were on that day. And if you've ever moved... You find out who your friends are. And then you find out if you really are a friend to somebody else when they call you looking for help to move. I don't know. Uh, uh, you, you try to figure out everything in the world to get out of it, don't you? I know, I know that's the way it is. But I, I think the second main way, in a much more serious way, that you find out who your friends are is the principle based out of the verse that we'll see today. I really don't think that it's, that it's just who shows up when, when life is hard. I think that's certainly a time when you find out who your closest friends are and you, you reveal your friendship to other people. I don't think it's just when, when, when maybe you're experiencing some sickness or, or even a, a death in the family. I, I think those are times when it's expected that lots of people will show up. What we're going to see this morning, I think, is so rare and so unique that when you begin to hold up your friends and you begin to hold up yourself in light of the truth that we'll see in this verse, to me, as I said, it was arresting. It stopped me in my tracks, and I hope it will for you, not because of any thunderous teaching I'm going to give you this morning, but I really hope that because the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God, I, I hope that it will stop us in our tracks and make us consider, are we really being the kinds of friends we should be? I, I think it's hard to be a friend. It's hard to be in relationship. It's difficult, say, to be married or to be in close relationship. It's difficult to work with people. 
The reason, of course, is the people are human and they do things that are wrong. We sin. The people that you are friends with, the folks that you are in close relationship with, whether that's a spouse or a friend or a co-worker or whomever, they're going to sin. They're going to do things that are wrong. Today, I don't want to make you skeptical of other people. I don't want you to leave here today saying, well, okay, I'm going to really find out now who my friends are. I'm going to post something on Facebook, and anybody who doesn't respond, they're no longer my friend. You're off the list. I've seen that kind of stuff on Facebook before. I never respond just to see what they do. But, but anyway, it's not about making you skeptical. In fact, today is not really about other people at all. Today's about you, and today's about me, and who is it that we're going to be for the people in our lives? This isn't about us finding out who our friends are. This is about everybody else finding out about us. So today is simply a building block that I hope you'll use and Begin to think on and ask God how you should apply it. Begin to put into practice to help you have the kinds of relationships that God wants for you, at least as far as you can help it. There's a choice that you have to make in every relationship that you have. There's a part that you have to play in every relationship that you have. The truth is, you can't control anyone else. You know that, and I hope by now. Some of us are still trying. You can't control anyone else. You can't control what they say, what they do, what they don't say, what they don't do. But you can submit yourself to the authority of God and be the person that God has called you to be in every relationship regardless of what everyone else does. So maybe today we'll get a better understanding of how we can do that. The verse is Proverbs chapter 17 verse 9. I hope you're there by now. If you're not, go ahead and get there. On the handout that's in your bulletin, you'll see the verse there at the top. We've got it on the screen. Got lots of ways you can look at the scripture this morning. Here's the verse, very simply put, whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. Now, Proverbs is a book of sayings, wise sayings, but they don't come from the mind of some random person. They come from a godly person who knows the Lord and is walking with God and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is given these insights in order to pass along and preserve for all of us. Here's the mind of God. Here's the values that God has. That's what Proverbs is about. It's not just about good sayings, go be a better person. This is really about how the life of God lives through us. And we begin to, to put that into practice. Proverbs 17.9 is one of those ways. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. What's this really about? It talks about here this offense. This is an offense where someone has done something wrong. Someone has committed a sin. Maybe it's against you, or maybe it's just something that you know about. Now, what it's not talking about here is a crime. Let me just be very clear. When we get into this, some may think, well, wait a minute, are you, are you, are you implying that nothing should ever be said about a particular crime that's committed? Not at all. Let me just cover that up front. If you're in a relationship, and let me say this very clearly, if you are in an abusive relationship, whatever kind of relationship, I mean, it needs to be reported. Make sure that you do that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the sins that people commit, the things they say, the hurtful things that they do to us that are not crimes, but hurt nonetheless, right? We know they hurt. So that's what this offense is. You know about it. Maybe they've done it to you, or you just found out. You've got some dirt on somebody. I know what Danny did. Boy, I tell you. 
He was lying about that red shirt. He's got plenty of them. <clears throat> See, I just revealed it, man. I'm sorry. I'm breaking the rule this morning. But you know, that's the thing. I know about something that somebody has done. It's some kind of sin, or maybe they've done it to me. What then do I do? Because you know what? That would make a great story. <laughs> Boy, it would sound so good if I talked to somebody about this. And in a sense, those things that we know about, the stuff that people have done, the sins that we find out about, it burns a hole in our mind, sort of like money burns a hole in the pocket of a young person. And you almost feel obligated that you need to tell somebody, I've got to say something about this. But it's information maybe that isn't yours to share. Or maybe it would destroy somebody else. Or maybe it's just something that as you listen this morning, you understand maybe just it's something that God wants you to submit to him and figure out a different way to deal with it than by talking to everyone. There's a choice in every relationship that you and I have to make. You can either conceal or you can reveal the sins and the shortcomings of other people. Now, this this is a tough one, I'm going to admit to you, because... uh, our, our initial response is always to talk about it. And so I know I'm, I'm, I'm coming against everything that for the most part comes naturally to us this morning. But I believe the scripture comes against what just comes naturally to us. And the life of Christ in us changes all of that. And I believe it's possible to see this be different. There's a choice that you have to make in every relationship. You can conceal, you can put a lid on, you can keep from making public the sins and shortcomings of other people. Or you can reveal it. That's what this verse clearly puts out, the choice. Whoever conceals an offense or whoever gossips about it. Conceal, reveal, and since I'm a Baptist, they rhyme. Okay? There you go. If you've ever been to a Baptist church, you know everything has to rhyme or start with the same letter or whatever. So anyway, that's what we got. Whoever conceals an offense, you can conceal or you can gossip about it. I want to work through several things here that I think are important for us to dive in with our own hearts to discover what's my motive, why am I doing what I'm doing. When it comes to concealing something, what's the motive behind that? When, I, when I'm talking about the sins and shortcomings of other people, when I'm, just, when I, when I'm a gossip, what's my motive? What, what's, what's required? If I'm, if I'm going to have the motive that says, no, I'm not going to talk about these things. I'm going to keep a lid on that. What's, what's required of me? And then what's the result of all of these? The first we'll look at is the motive. And I, I think this is worth diving into just a little bit. You've got two different choices here. You can conceal, you can reveal, and each, of course, has a motive. Why am I doing this? What's my motive? I believe that the motive, ultimately, for those who say, no, 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 I'm not going to talk about all the sins and the shortcomings of other people, even if they've done something to me or even if I've got a great story on them, I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm going to keep it under wraps. I believe that, ultimately, the motive for each comes down to glory, and I believe the motive for those who conceal is God's glory. I think for those who would conceal, who would keep a lid on the things that they know about other people, I believe it's because they're pursuing God's glory. Let's be honest for a second. When somebody says something, does something to or about you, whatever, or you find out about what, what they've done, we, we go into this different kind of mode. We either get defensive and we want retribution, or we've just, it's, we're sitting on something and, man, we can't hardly sit still. I've got to tell somebody what I know about this other person. We want to talk about it. Sometimes we feel like we need to talk about it. Maybe we think it's therapeutic for us to talk about that. And sometimes, quite honestly, it is. But we've got to choose the right way to go about that. As I mentioned, these kinds of offenses here, 
Not crimes, but things that are done or said to us or that we know about. And it's, a cho- it's in that moment that you've got a choice to make, and I believe the choice comes down to the motive. Whose glory will you seek? Whose reputation, whose values, whose dignity will you pursue most? If you're in the business, if you're the kind of person who says, I, listen, I'm not going to talk about all this stuff. People are going to know that for one. They're going to stop telling you. But I, I, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to discuss it with everyone. I think you've made the decision then to put God's reputation, to put God's values, His, His dignity, His glory above your own. You're promoting the things that God does. You want Him to look good. Your question is no longer, how can I be vindicated? But how in the world, in this situation, when I know about this or this has been said or done to me, how can God be honored? How can God be glorified? How can He be obeyed even when some kind of offense has been committed? That's when we're pursuing God's glory. Let me tell you, this is radical when it comes to how you approach relationships. It may not sound that way this morning. I hope to make it clear. This is a major shift in how we view relationships. This is not, again, go be a better person. This is complete changing of our minds on how we, how we view and how we approach what other people do say to us and what we find out that they've done or said. Because the flip side is, for those of us that are in the habit, the very human habit of revealing and talking about it all, do you know whose glory we're going for there? It's ours. It's my glory. The motive then for the, the, for the revealing of it is, is my glory. You've got concealing, you've got God's glory. Look, I, I just want to be as godly as I can in all areas of life. I want to imitate the Lord. I want God to be honored and glorified. Or on the flip side, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't understand what happened. You don't understand what this person did. I mean, you, you, you really don't know. This verse tells us that you can either conceal or you can gossip. Now, I know that we don't have any gossips here this morning. I'm going to move real quick with my eyes so nobody thinks I'm, I'm picking on you. We don't have any This is for somebody else, okay? But, but you're going to have to internalize it. You're going to have to, to learn it so that you can talk to those other gossips about this, okay? So really pay attention just in case you come across anybody who struggles with it, just in case. The verse says that we can either conceal it, cover it, keep private the sins and shortcomings of others for God's glory, or we can be in the habit of revealing, of talking about it, of gossiping about it, ultimately for our own glory. Gossip is simply casual, maybe careless conversation about other people, substantiated or not. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but it's casual, maybe careless conversation. A gossip, I saw this definition, is a person who likes talking about other people's private lives. <laughs> Nobody here like that, I know, but I'm just saying. Why do we do this? I mean, that, that's the question. Why, what's our motive? And the truth is that all of us do this, myself included. We all do this. We are all gossipers from one time to another. Why is it that we do this? Why do we listen to people when they begin to talk about the sins and shortcomings of others? I, I, I've thought about different things. For some, it's because they like to be in the know. You know, they just like to know stuff. I mean, that's why they spend all day on Twitter and Facebook, and they read all the tabloids, and, and, and they watch, you know, all the, the inside edition stuff. I mean, they just like to know stuff about people. For what reason? I don't know. But they just like to know stuff. Maybe that gives them some sort of feeling of power. I got some information on you. I, I control you a little bit. I don't know. For others, 
When you've been harmed in some way and you've been hurt, we talk about it because we like to build a coalition. We need people on our side. But we're going to eventually get back at that person or we need to feel justified or feel right. And so we talk about them in order to build some sort of coalition. I really think, though, that ultimately the reason that we gossip... The reason we run someone down, the reason that we pile on, the reason we complain about people or whomever so much is because it makes us look better by comparison. That's what self-righteousness is. You've heard maybe that term self-righteousness before. That's not trying to make ourselves righteous. It's just trying to look a little better than someone else in the eyes of God or other people. Self-righteousness is ultimately comparing yourself to other people. We gossip ultimately as a quest for our own glory, to make ourselves look better than someone else. We may not realize that, but I hope you understand. I really believe that at the heart of any gossip is this desire for our own glory. I'm going to look better than that person. And everybody says, oh yeah, I'm so glad you're not like that. Boy, they're awful. And it just makes us look better. But here's the problem with all of our motives, especially the one where we're comparing ourselves to others. Do you realize... And I hope you do, but maybe for the first time you'll hear it, if you haven't already. Do you realize that God is not comparing you to anyone else? Pick on Danny again. When Danny and I stand before the Lord, it's not going to be, Danny, did, did you do better things than Brad did? Brad, did you do better things than Danny? Were you, were you a better person? How do you stack up compared to Danny? Danny, how do you stack up compared to Brad? It's not going to be anything like that conversation. We can try all we want to make ourselves look better than someone else. Live in competition. Try to put someone else down so we look better. But God is not looking at us compared to anyone but who? Do you know his name? His name is Jesus. There is one person that we are all compared to. His name is Jesus. Guess how many sins he committed? None. I can make myself look better. You can make yourself look better than anybody. Except one. And compared to him, the scripture tells us our best efforts, our righteousness, our, the greatest things we do for the Lord look like a big pile of dirty dish rags that no one would ever use. How are you stacking up now? If I'm God, that's what I ask you. That's what I say. Hey, Brad... You like looking better than other people? You think you're something? My son, his name is Jesus. He's perfect. How's that working out for you? The truth is, when you stand before God, it's not going to be because I, I was better than someone else. And God says, oh, okay, man, I tell you, I'm so glad you weren't like that person. Come on in. Our eternal security is based only upon the fact that did we know Jesus, did we recognize our need for a Savior, not to be saved from being worse or better than someone else, but to be saved from our own sin, to say, God, I need you, I'm pouring myself out, I'm giving myself completely to you. The gospel says this, you can't stack up, you're awful, you're rotten, you're terrible compared to Jesus Christ, but the gospel is that Jesus took that rottenness, awfulness, nastiness for you, buried it on the cross, was raised again so that you and I can live forever ever in freedom. That's the gospel, and it only is appropriated to us through our faith in Jesus Christ, not through all the things that we do. It's do we believe or do we not believe, and then all of that stuff that we are is done away with, and Jesus now takes over. Good luck comparing yourself to someone else. That's not what God's looking for. 
So when we seek our own glory just to be a little better looking than someone else, we're seeking the wrong things. I wonder this week in your relationships, whose glory will you seek? What's required? I mean, if you're going to seek, you say, all right, okay, look, I, I get it. I've been trying to make myself look better than other people. I mean, I've fallen into that. I, you know, maybe I'm, I've, I've talked about other people. and Okay, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I've sought my own glory, but now I really want to go after. I want to honor God. I want to, I want to obey Him in everything. I want His glory to be what I'm seeking. What's required? Look at the verse again. Whoever conceals an offense promotes what? Love. Let me just tell you very simply what's required of you if you're going to seek God's glory in every relationship, even when there is an offense committed that has been done to you or you know about, the requirement in order to seek God's glory, in order to see the situation be what it needs to be, is love. It's not hard, or at least it's not complicated, (laughs) but it's love. Now love here, the word is just all-inclusive. It includes our emotions that we just genuinely care about people. That we have empathy, that we have compassion, even, yes, on the people who do things that are wrong. Because we recognize our own sinfulness and we realize, you know what, I've committed sins as well. I will have empathy. It's also about desire because the the folks in, in this verse who are concealing the offenses, who are keeping a lid on it, they're promoting love. They just desire to live in good, harmonious, peaceful relationships with as many people as possible. I always wonder about the folks, quite honestly, that just seem to enjoy throwing a hand grenade into a relationship and then watching it explode and just standing back and sort of enjoying that. I I don't understand that. It's not a promotion of love in any way. It's not living out of the gospel. Love here is also proactive, and it results in forgiveness. And it results in a refusal to bring it all back up again. Now, I'm not saying here that this means we, we just say, well, I guess what they did wasn't a big deal. I think there's an understanding of forgiveness that we, we don't get quite often, and I struggle with it too. I've mentioned this to you before. We talked about it this past Wednesday night. I even got to talk about it on the radio this week, of all things, to talk about what true forgiveness really is. If I go to Danny and I say, Danny, I'm sorry for what I did. What are, the, what, what are the words that we typically, out of just habit, say back? Anybody know? That's okay. It's okay. Guess what? No, it's not. It's not okay. If I did something to Danny, it's not okay that I did that. But do you know what forgiveness is? I mean, the, tr- the forgiveness of God, the model of Jesus Christ on the cross, you know what it is? It's to say it's not okay and I'm going to cover it anyway. I'm going to release you from the debt that you owe me anyway. I'm not going to hold that against you anymore. That's forgiveness. It's not saying what you did was right or what you did was okay or or minimizing the effect. No, no, no. There are still consequences, but I'm not going to hold that against you anymore. That's forgiveness. We can forgive because we have been forgiven, not because we say everything is okay, but because we say, you know what? I'm not going to carry that around anymore. I forgive you. No, it's not okay. You can't make up for it anyway, so I'm going to forgive you. Love is required. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us very plainly, and I'll turn there and read it to you. It talks about what love is, and I think it applies here when we talk about the idea that we're, no, we're just not going to spread this stuff around. 
Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, and, and then listen to this, is not provoked, that means easily offended, and it does not keep a record of wrongs. I think that's a powerful reinforcement for what this verse is talking about, to conceal, to say, you know what, I, I'm not going to keep a long record I wonder how it is that you and I respond to the sins and the shortcomings of people. How, how would it look if we responded this week with love? In order to promote God's glory, in order to seek that as our motive, love is required. What's required on the other side? Well, I think very simply, nothing. Nothing's required. At least nothing different from what's expected. If you're going to reveal things, there's nothing required of you. I mean, just act on the impulses, the temptations, the raw emotions that you feel. There's nothing. There is nothing required of you. Just do whatever everybody expects you to do. It's going to be encouraged for you to respond that way. It's going to be expected. It's even going to be accepted. Good for you. I'm glad you did that. They deserved it. You know what? You need to get them back for what they did anyway. I mean, they, they, they've got it coming. All the stuff that they've done and said, they, somebody needed to say something about it. You know, it's perfectly normal to talk about what you don't like in other people. To talk about what they've done wrong and the questions and the suspicions that you've got about them. So really, nothing is required. If you just want to reveal stuff, just go ahead. Just do what you want. I mean, go ahead and post it. Anonymously, of course. Post it about them on Facebook, that rant that you, you know, want to post. Go ahead and tweet it and text about it complain about it and pile on and publicly shame them and talk about it all you want. Just go ahead because nothing, there's no love required there. That's really just what's expected anyway. <clears throat> but I wonder if we would recognize that we do not and we are, are, are not from this world. We do not live as citizens just of this world, but we are citizens of heaven as believers in Jesus Christ. And we now in the kingdom of God have a different ethic that we operate by. What's the result? It says, whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. The result, if you conceal, is peace. Now, there's no guarantee that the other person is going to like you. There's no guarantee that reconciliation is going to happen between you and that other person. There's no guarantee that they're even going to know that you're not talking about them. But so far as it depends on you... And you and other people, you can live in peace in your own heart, knowing that you operated with godly love toward that person. You can operate with, with peace toward other folks, at least as far as you can control it. You can be the one who doesn't feed the fire anymore. The truth is, the ability to forgive and to keep silent is really at the heart of what helps us to build great relationships. And a refusal to take offense easily or to retaliate is the path to peace, or at least the only chance that we have at it. On the flip side, the result is what it says here to separate friends. The result, when we reveal, is division. You can call it drama, you call it whatever you want. The scripture here tells us it separates friends. That means it's destructive, it, it's, it's divisive. The word separate there means to break into pieces, to smash. It carries the connotation that someone who was once a friend is now like a stranger, or even worse, an enemy. And that's really what happens when, when we are the folks, like the verse says, that we gossip. We like to talk about the sins and the shortcomings of other people. 
And you know as well as I do, maybe from seeing it or maybe from experience, that dwelling on or harping on those things that people have done wrong, that's destroyed countless friendships, countless marriages, countless relationships. Nobody likes the past being brought up all the time. So think about it. As I told you, this was arresting for me. To read this verse and to say, you know, there... This isn't just, well, if it's this offense and that offense, well, if they do this, okay, but boy, if they do that, then you, okay. But it's also not, it's not keeping things hidden just because we don't want to deal with the issue. This is about publicly putting on display the sins and shortcomings of others. Talking about them, piling on, complaining, throwing in those comments. And I begin to think through all the times when I'm so tempted to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I hope you're normal this morning. At least I know some of you are. And, know what I mean? I mean, this is a struggle. If you're, if you're normal, this is going to be something you struggle with. People are going to offend you. They are going to do things that are offensive. Whether it's directly to you or you're going to know about it. What are you going to do? That's why I say I think this is, this is so powerful. This is a, a divergence from what we normally do. I mean, what comes naturally to us, just talk about it. Write about it, post about it, whatever. What we need God's help for is the love that's required here in order to to seek His glory. I wonder, how would your home, how would your family, your your marriage, your relationships, your friendships, your, your, your work environment, wherever you may be, every relationship you're in, even, even the ones with the people that keep on doing what they're doing, how would all of those be different if you applied the principle that we see here in Proverbs seventeen nine, I mean, what really? What is God saying to you this morning? You've got some relationship, somebody, something in mind that this is this comes up all the time. I wonder how would things be different, at least on the peaceful side of who you are, if we put it into practice. I mean, that's the ultimate goal of the sermon. I'll be honest with you. The goal of the sermon is not that you understand what I said. The goal of the sermon is that that we are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we repent of whatever sin the Holy Spirit reveals in our life and that we walk away different. That's the goal of of every sermon. How does it need to be applied? Let me give you one last thing this morning. This little verse in Proverbs is is just one aspect, but boy, such a powerful aspect of the, the love of God that was ultimately displayed for us in the death and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You realize that the entire Old Testament leads up to the New Testament. They're not independent of one another. It's one story all together, and it just builds on itself. And we get little bits and pieces here of what the love of Jesus was going to look like for us. Because when Paul wrote about the crucifixion, one of the things he talked about was that the death of Jesus Christ does something called atoning for our sins. Do you know what that means? It covers it. It's like a blanket on it that puts it all away. It conceals it. This is just a small example of what ultimately the death, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was going to demonstrate for us the love of God. Because once and for all, when Jesus died on the cross, He atoned for your sin, past, present, future. For my sin, past, present, for the sins of the entire world, the Scripture tells us. 
And so, if there's any, if there's anything I can leave you with, I've given you the choice to make. You can conceal or you can reveal. The part that you have, the role that you have to play in every relationship can be, can be based upon one, one simple statement. Let me encourage you, and I mean spend time with this. This isn't something that you just tie up when you leave and say, okay, no, 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 spend time. Talk to God about it this week. Let me encourage you to look to the cross and in love and forgive accordingly. Because that's really what this comes down to. Are we loving? Are we forgiving? Are we concealing according to what Jesus has done for us? Look to the cross. And I mean that in every relationship, in your marriage, in your friends, wherever you may be. Look to the cross. And then just respond accordingly. And I, mean, and I can't stress it enough. <clears throat> there are times, and I'll be just honest with you for a second. There are times when I walk away from a sermon... And I think, I have no idea what somebody's supposed to do with what I just said. I'm not sure that I understand how to apply what, what I just preached. And, and part of it is, I, I, I want to be sure to be clear and try to give you some things. Okay, go and you know, go do this. I mean, this, this is it. But I think more importantly than that, I really, I hope and I pray that you will be in tune with the Holy Spirit. That you will let God speak into your life and you will take the truth that you see from the Scripture and you will say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do? How do I apply this? Build this into my life. Because let me tell you, if all you get this week is just, well, okay, I remember that sermon. I want you to deal with this all week. Not because I said it. Because I think it's powerful. So I asked the Holy Spirit this morning, how do I need to apply this? What is it that you're saying directly to me this morning? And all week, I really do, I hope you'll spend every single day looking to the cross and then loving and forgiving accordingly. Because it was on that cross, as the song just said, as Jesus died, the wrath of God against our sin was satisfied. It was covered. It was dealt with. That's the great news of Jesus Christ. He loves you this morning. Wants to know you, wants you to know Him. Look to the cross this morning, not just for your external relationships, but for who you are and your relationship with the Lord. Let's pray. Just talk to God for a minute there on your own. Maybe there is a specific thing that He said to you this morning. And sometimes that's not easy to deal with, but maybe it's time to repent. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm turning from that. And maybe that's for the very first time. Maybe you're a person who's been in church, or maybe you haven't before. Maybe for the very first time you really heard the message of Jesus today, that that's what he does with our sin, is to do away with it, to cover it. And you say, Lord, I repent and I'm giving my life to you, Lord. I believe you are the Son of God, the one who died for me. Or maybe it's in relationship and you just say, Lord, I'm repenting of, of this tendency to gossip, to reveal. And Lord, make me a person who loves 
and wants your glory and wants peace and will conceal these things. What's God said to you this morning? Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray. Lord, in one simple verse, may you change our lives. Thank you, Lord, that on the cross that you you covered our sin. And you offer us forgiveness. Thank you that we don't have to pay you back. Thank you that we can't. Lord, just help us to simply believe. To submit ourselves to you. And Lord, we pray that you take over our lives. Individually, Lord, together as a church, just pray that you take over. Guide us. Thank you for loving us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.